Hey, Alexa, what crap did John Hicks say this week on the radio? I'm sure I don't want to hear it, but I'm interested to find out. Helping you solve the retirement puzzle. Welcome to The Retirement Solution with John Hicks. Here with John Hicks, I'm Jennifer Perry. We'd love to hear from you here on the Retirement Solution Podcast. You can always drop us an email with any questions for John at retirementsolutionradio.com. And each week here on the show, John, our goal is to help people really understand more about what they can control about their retirement. And we always acknowledge the retirement solution is not the same for everyone. So we hope you'll pick up some tidbits here. And again, if you have any email questions for us, just drop us that email and we might answer those for you on a future episode. But starting this week, John, I wanted to cover with you some of the financial terminology that you guys in the financial industry use, because I feel like sometimes we feel like we're expected to know all these terms that you do. And yet we don't. It was interesting. You are supposed to know. Oh, we are? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The well, funny thing I'm is, an is idiot. half the people that, that say those words, they don't know what they mean either. Oh, okay. They're just you, talking it, smart. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many times that I'll go into a room full of 150 people that do exactly what I do. Uh-huh. They have no clue what I'm talking about. I'm asking them and they, they have no clue what I'm talking about. Some of these guys are supposedly really good, or at least they seem that way on Twitter, <laughs> but, but, but they have no idea what they're talking about. So hey, never be afraid to ask your guy what on earth they're talking about. They should be able to talk better than that, by the way. Otherwise, how do you know that they're even doing the right thing for you? When's the last time right. you audited that guy? Yeah. Audit those guys. Come on. And ask the right questions. That's actually kind of the goal of this show to help people understand their financial lives a little bit better. So today I thought we'd spend some time on maybe some of the most confusing terms to a lot of investors. I'm going to start with one that was mentioned in a recent survey. They went out and polled people. Okay, what's the most confusing term you found within, say, your 401k statements? And the term glide path apparently came in at number one on this particular survey, John. So what is a glide path? Yeah, it's stupid is what it is. (laughs) No, I mean this honestly. This is like a new, this is a modern marvel, a financial crap is what it is. (laughs) They create these things and they mean nothing. So what they're talking about, and by the way, I had to look this stuff up because it's literally, it's a marketing piece is what this is. Okay. So what they're talking about is as we get older, Conventional financial wisdom suggests that we move more away from stocks and into bonds, right? Mm -hmm. We've heard this before. As you get older, you need to take a more safety approach and less risky approach. There's nothing wrong with parts of that, okay? The issue, though, is glide path. What they're doing is they're trying to sell us the Ron Popeil of investment things. Hookah, 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 glide path. You put the chicken in, next thing you know, delicious rotisserie chicken. And as we get older, it automatically crisps that skin a little bit more for us. Or it basically moves a glide path as we age more and more and more into bonds. Now, I want you to think about that for a quick second. If you've ever heard this show before, or even if you haven't. If interest rates move up, and oh no, let's 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 go back. We're, we did the ABCs. We had a little yeah, Jackson Five up here. So mm-hmm. let's just let's just do it this way. So here is actually what happens if we have an increasing interest rate environment. And you can ask yourself, do you think that we're probably going to have interest rates come up from here? Nah, mm-hmm. There's a million different opinions on only basically two things: up or down, right? Right. But but there's a million different opinions about it. But if you think about it, it's a little bit like a teeter totter. 
if you have interest rates and if you don't if you're driving don't do this if you're driving don't do this but if you're not driving you might want to put both of your hands out there um like you're playing that game that kids do where you try to slap the other person's okay, hands I've got mine out both of your palms you. are down yeah so so if you're looking at each other and you're both doing this you're feeling like a real idiot hey i'm sorry <laughs> you shouldn't listen to that wing nut on radio but 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 if you have your hands there and all of a sudden you you pretend like you're a teeter-totter and so if interest rates go up you move one hand up and what happens to the other one if you're thinking about a teeter-totter it goes down down. Mm -hmm. so interestingly enough if we listen to this glide path as we get older we should put more money in bonds then typically if interest rates go up you would lose money in bonds like a teeter-totter interest rates move up you lose money in your bonds and so i think that's a horrible idea if we know that some asset class is not going to be very good then it makes very little sense for me to automatically put someone in something that's going to suck to be perfectly (laughs) honest so but that's exactly what this does to make it easier for us to all understand that you know we can control our glide path it's dumb, and it's going to glide right into the ground. It sounds yeah, like you're using that glide kind of right into the red ink on your annual statements. That's problematic. Problematic. So, glide path is dumb. No one should know <laughs> it. They should stay away from it. Okay. They should stay away from an automatic glide path, unless they also get the rotisserie cooker with it, and they get the di- <laughs> slicer, dicer, chaser thing, or what is it? Slap chop. Slap, slap chop. chop. Oh gosh, slap yeah, I forgot chop. about the slap chop. Where did that yeah. go? Yeah, same place as the glide path. Flex apparently. seal. You get some flex seal as a backup <laughs> thing there too. Why not? Just all those late night infomercials. Let's just all package them into one. And this is going to be in your financial plan. Oh, and by the way, target date funds are the ones that do this more than any other thing. And they charge fees on top of fees on top of fees. Mm. So if you get those target date funds and someone says the rule wonderful, just do some research on target date funds about the fees and the cost structure and how they actually perform last year. Every single time that I pull a client's portfolio up or someone that comes in to have me do an analysis, I put it on the big, huge board. We got like a 120-inch screen in my office. And when we put this up, I show them and I type in their actual ticker symbol and show that compared to if they just had Vanguard funds individually, a stock fund, and a bond fund. 100% of the time, you would be better off not having those stupid target date funds that have glide paths. Huh. 100% wow. of the time that I've done this, never once has one target date fund even gotten close, even getting close to if you just own those two quality investments without having that stupid glide path. Wow. Interesting stuff. And uh, again, do your homework. And if you'd like to do the homework with John again, you can always give us a call during today's show at 502-690-5635. The next interesting term I want to cover with you today here, John, is one called decumulation. What the heck does this mean? That sounds like a cloud, right? Like a serious cumulonimbus, decumulonimbus, or something like that. It's been a long time since I've had my chemistry. You know, decumulation is one of those weird ones. But I tell you what, there's a lot of us out there that love to get their research from the Google machine. So today, I'm just going to ask Siri. We're going to do a little comparison here. Let's see if a live Siri. I love it. Yeah, we're going to see if a live human being that's been doing this for twenty something years versus the Siri machine, the Siri bot. We're going to find out who who, who does this better as okay. far as definitions. You, you guys let me know. You can uh, send us a, a text, mm-hmm. right? You can, they can send us a text now, right? Yep, at 502-690-5635. Jennifer is standing around to text you back. No, probably not. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so decumulation, right? So Siri, uh, tell me about decumulation. What does decumulation mean? Decumulation. Really? Decumulation. That's a dumb sounding word. John, did you make that one up? Because it sounds like something stupid that you would say. See what I mean? (laughs) See what I mean? Where every once in a while, 
You just got to take a step back from the Google machine or in this situation, the Siri bot. That was rude. By yes. The way, Siri. And Siri, you weren't even saying it right yourself. It, so what did she say? Dick you, I don't know what she <laughs> said. Whatever know what she that said, it sounded, it sounded like she was a, a dirty pirate mouth. She had a dirty pirate mouth <laughs> for a second. It's almost not safe thought. for Sunday morning. Yeah. I know. I know. But so decumulation, I think uh, she wasn't wrong about the fact of a dumb sounding word, <laughs> but basically it means that you're going to spend some money. It, it simply means that if we've accumulated this big pile of cash, I think you've probably heard me on the show say at some point in time, my advisor just tells me to pick at it. Pick, 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 pick. Well, that picking is technically decumulating or frankly just spending some cash. So the whole point of understanding this word is once we have actually saved this big old pile of money, we got to figure out how we're going to distribute it out to us so we can live off of it for income. And even if we don't need the income, if we've got it in tax-deferred accounts, we may have to pull it out from a required minimum distribution. So it is important to understand that because the way that we invest our money is very different when we're accumulating versus when we're distributing it out for income. And so you have to know the differences. If you haven't done that kind of analysis, you know, that's what we do. We, we teach people that when, when I teach my classes at UofL, we want them to understand not only are there different strategies, they're completely different outcomes. And so it's a huge difference. All right. That's a big one. Decumulation otherwise known as that income phase of retirement. That's an easier way to understand it. Now, the next on our list is diversification. This is another basic term, John, Yeah, but it's But a tricky. lot of people don't understand it, but let's ask Siri. So Siri, uh, what does diversification mean? Diversification. This one is easy. This is where you should have lots of different advisors so you can diversify their investment approaches. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> that is a horrible idea. Siri, where are you getting your information? No, no, no. So th- the problem, though, is, and, and the reason that I think she probably said this, is a lot of people do think this. Really? They've heard the, they've heard the terminology. Yeah, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And what that means is they need to have three or four or five different advisors because you never know which one is going to be a bozo that year and which one's going to make it work out. The problem is, and here's the truth of this, it doesn't matter who you use, but the problem is, is that all these different guys don't know what the other one's doing. Chances are they're overlapping your portfolio. Chances are you're going to get horrible investment results. And think about it. Do you actually have a total portfolio that's actually performed quite poorly, even though you got three or four different advisors? <laughs> There's a good chance that's the case. Almost 80% of the time, I find that people have poor investment advice because all four of the guys are doing the same exact thing. They may be slightly different funds, but they're not getting proper asset allocation. And if they just went to Vanguard on their own, they'd probably do better than having four different guys doing the wrong thing 100% of the time. So diversification does not mean put your eggs in seven different advisors' baskets. What it really should mean is you need to have several different strategies or different sectors or different models in your portfolio. So when one is acting like yin, the other can act like yang and balance you out. But it usually is not about investment opinion. Mm-hmm. It's different strategies, different different ways to actually allocate those dollars. That's what it really means for diversification. And if you have your money spread out between three or four advisors, chances are none of those advisors know about each other and have no clue what the other one's doing, right? So, And that's the biggest issue. Yeah. And if they don't talk, they're all their own individual silos, you're probably overpaying for all of those guys to do yeah. probably not very good results. And that's the issue. That's the problem there. All right. Well, next term I want you to break down for us on today's show here, John, is asset allocation. So what does this mean to us as yeah, average I, investors? Yeah. So hedge fund manager Ray Dalio said that asset allocation accounts for 90% of all investment performance hmm. or portfolio performance. So if you think about it, if there's one thing you need to kind of nail down, it should be asset allocation. But l- let's find out what does Siri think. So Siri, uh, define asset allocation for me. What is asset allocation? Asset allocation 
This is where you allocate your ass to different things like stocks, bonds, cash, etc. based on your goals and objectives. Hold on, Siri. I, <laughs> Did she I don't, say what I, I think, think she I said? I don't know if I caught what you said. Can you actually repeat yourself? I'm not sure that you said that correctly. Why? Were you not listening the first time? <laughs> Asset allocation. This is where you allocate your assets to different things like stocks, bonds, cash, etc. based on your goals and objectives. No, Siri, you said it different that time. <laughs> I'm, that time you said assets. I, I'm not so sure you said that the first time. As a matter of fact, I, I think that you kind of did that wrong. <laughs> now, is there something wrong with your programming? Uh, because I, I, I think I heard you wrong the first time. You really are not very bright. Get your head out of the gutter, John. I would never say such a thing unless I was referring to your pathetic ass. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know where you were going with pathetic, Siri. But you you have the mouth of a dirty pirate today. And I think we've done enough of that. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry about that that little Siri experiment. Yeah, yeah, we may not not have her on the show uh, so much more. But it is important to understand asset allocation. So this, and she was kind of right on this one, asset allocation is what you have between stocks, bonds, cash, gold, pork bellies, orange juice futures. Mm-hmm. Uh, take your pick on anything, real estate, annuities. Take It doesn't matter what it is. It's how you've apportioned completely different styles of assets to your portfolio. And if you think about this, in 2008, where everyone says, well, everyone lost money in 2008, did they? What if you had a portfolio that was primarily cash, treasury bonds, and bonds in 2008, and you didn't have that many equities? Believe it or not, there was a lot of people that we actually invested money for and with that had a similar style approach. They were actually positive almost 85 to 9% in 2008. So not everyone has to lose. Now, was it their strategy was so awesome? No. They were allocated correctly on their assets for that particular point in the, in the economy. And so when you think about that asset allocation, it makes total sense. How much of our money should be in equities right now or stocks compared to how much money should be in bonds or cash? Now, we just said a couple minutes ago, if teeter-totter is kind of like what you're thinking when you think interest rates go up and the value of your bonds goes down, you probably want to find some bond alternatives. Mm-hmm. That's probably what I see the majority of people lacking in their portfolios, good quality alternatives to what they would typically have had in bonds. Because bonds, frankly, since Trump's been elected, they've lost nearly 17% of their value wow. because interest rates have come up. Now, mm-hmm. they, they may be stayed uh, for a short period of time as we try to figure out what the Federal Reserve is going to do. But the idea is, is that bonds are not paying a tremendous amount of money. And there are so many other bond alternatives out there that can get you anywhere between 4 and potentially up to 8 or 9% on your money with a lot more safety and very little fluctuation. So those are the things we need to consider. So if we asset allocated correctly, so our safe investments are earning a much more attractive rate of return than losing money in bonds, think about that. How much better off does it make us off? Potentially a ton. Putting the fine in finance. Wait, uh, he's going to pay me a little extra for that, right? Here's John Hicks. I wanted to cover how advisors are really paid. We see all these phrases for fee only or I'm fee based. What does all of that mean, really? You know, until, I don't know, let's say four or five years ago, no one had any idea what any of this stuff meant. And the guy is not even uh, a financial person, but Tony Robbins actually did a book, I think four or five years ago now. It's called Money, Master the Game. Uh-huh. And his whole point was is that he did a lot of research, and if, if, whether you do or don't like his style, Tony Robbins is kind of one of those research crazies where he wants to find out what is stopping the average human being of meeting their ultimate goal, meeting the, their ultimate best inner human being. Yeah. And so whether you think that's a pile of malarkey or not, he actually 
actually realized, man, you know, finances, finances contribute to like 70% of divorces. They contribute to 90% of people's stress. Yeah. You know, finances are a big deal, but specifically, how do we not understand them? Well, he, he went through all this, all this research. He found out that people weren't taught properly in grade school. They didn't ever understand how to balance a checkbook. I mean, there are, there are people that are in their 70s now that have literally never been taught correctly how to balance their statements. And, and his whole point was it's because of a lack of education. But his whole point was not to educate us on everything, but to let us understand the things that we need to know. But one of the things he came up with and one of the things he realized was there's a difference in how brokers or how advisors or how the person that handles your finances, it's, there's a huge difference in how they're compensated. Hmm. And it matters a tremendous amount on if you're getting potentially the right guidance. Are you getting what you think you're getting? Because in what his whole point was, hey, you know, I got an advisor. This guy's good. You know, I've made some good money when the market's gone up, lost a little bit when the market's gone down, but I know he's looking up for my best interest. And what he found was, is that amazingly enough, 90%, 90% of those people that put themselves out there to be an, an investment advisor or whatever they call themselves, they're compensated on commissions when it comes to securities business. Hmm. So you never really know, but hold on, is, is this person telling me to buy this mutual fund because it's really right for me or my family? Or do they get a trip to Hawaii? So it's or right for him and his a, family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Is it right for him and his family? And what he found was, and he was very discouraged about the numbers, and, and he wasn't the only one to do it. Jack Bogle has talked about this, who yeah. was the founder of Vanguard. Uh, Bill Gates has actually even talked about this. Warren Buffett has talked about these things. All these major titans of industry. And what they said is, listen, there's a difference between if you're fee-only or if you're fee-based. And here's the difference that it kind of comes down to, because this is what that breakdown was about. So when you're fee-only, when it comes to securities business, it means that by law, you have an obligation to ensure that you're not compensated any different for any security you ever offer a client, ever. Ah. And in that regard, it's really good because it lines you up on the exact same side of the table with your client. That's very good. By the way, that's my how my office works. Okay. We're not fee-based. We're fee-only when it comes to securities business. Okay. Which they means win, when it comes, you win, right? They, and that's the whole idea. The whole idea is that if you do a good job for them, and it has nothing to do with just returns. It has to do with everything. Did you put everything in that plan so that you can ensure with a very unbelievable high degree or maybe even 99.9% that if everything goes wrong, that client's still going to be fine? See, that's what most people want. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that most people don't have that. What is most people? 90%. 90% of people that are working with a financial advisor, they're not fee only. Wow. They're fee based. Fee based means, yes, you could potentially only charge a fee for securities business, but you could also earn a ton of commissions on those securities. You could make a ton more money by putting them into this mutual fund versus that mutual fund. Hmm. And you can think about this and you can think about your own situations. Maybe you had an account at Fidelity. And there's nothing in the world wrong with Fidelity. We've used them in the past. But if you go to Fidelity, often, what kind of funds do you end up owning? Uh, Usually Fidelity Fidelity, funds. Fidelity, yeah. It just happens to be that way. No, it just happens to be that way. If you go to Schwab, there's a really high chance that you could have your money in Schwab funds. Do they Mm -hmm. get a little bit extra money out of that? Of course they do. Is it a horrible thing? No. Are these bad funds? Of course not. But the whole idea is, is that they're getting an extra compensation out of that. If you go to Vanguard, it's a little different. They own only let you do Vanguard funds. So my whole thought is, is that if you were with a proper advisor who was fee only when it came to securities business, then every single thing you own should be proper and correct for your situation. There should be no ulterior motive. And by the way, some funds 
may cost a little bit more, but they may be substantially better for you. But the whole idea is if they're fee only, they don't get any extra compensation for that. So that you know that that recommendation, at least so far as their skill level, should be right. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea. So the, most of us out there think, oh, my gosh, fee only. And unfortunately, we're dead wrong. And the difference is, is it because we shouldn't allow these folks to make a good living? No. Is it because they should be doing different things with their money? Potentially not. But how do you know? You're getting the best that you can get based on that advice. And that's the whole point. And the whole idea is that I think that most people, especially when it comes to securities business, should want a fee-only person. You shouldn't get paid an extra money. You shouldn't get bought an extra trip. You shouldn't get an extra amount of cash so that you can take your family down to Disney World if I ended up losing half my life savings. That's the whole idea. And that's where I want people to understand there's a huge difference. Less than 10% of those out there are fee only when it comes to securities. If you don't know the answer to that question, ask them. Ask them first and foremost. But the next thing is, and here's how we'll kind of know, if they work with a big brokerage firm, a big wirehouse, a big bank, it's just how this works, guys. They are never fee only when it comes Mm -hmm. to securities, ever. And so that's the biggest thing to understand. That does not mean these companies are bad. It does not at all. Mm -hmm. But they are not reporting to you. They're reporting to their shareholders. And those are the people where the buck stops. It's the people that own those company assets and tell the CEO how much money they need to make. And those people tell the senior vice presidents how much money they need to make. And those people go down and tell the brokers what they need to make. And where does the broker make the money? Off of us. (laughs) And if you think about that, that's a terrible way, terrible way to get our advice. And yet that's how that system works. So give this some careful thought to that. If you're not getting the right advice or you're wondering, man, does my guy get paid more? If you're working for a big, huge institution, they always get paid a little bit more. They may not choose to do it that way, but they always have that opportunity to do that. You may want to seek out what fee only means. Is it right for you? It's not right for everyone. But if it is, you need to know what you should be getting. You know, what kind of services should you be provided? Do they actually do tax planning? Do they actually pay for your tax return? Do they actually have that done by quality CPAs? Do they actually put you in touch with a state planning attorney to specifically iron out your estate plan? Maybe that's something you would want. And maybe you don't want that included with a whole bunch of extra costs. See some guys out there do that. Our firm happens to do it that way, but everyone's different. Depends on what you're looking for. Seeking out the retirement solution that works for you? Seek us out online at retirementsolutionradio.com. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if John Hicks is licensed in your state, please call 502-690-5635. J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through John Hicks, Kentucky Insurance License Number 998827.